Hi, thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Thanks again, you guys. That was awesome. I was, I was enjoying that. Elnora was really laying her down there for a while on the keyboards, and I was really digging that. And then Dawson kicked in on that last song, and, and that beat is, uh, having sort of played around on the drums, I know how hard that is to do, and so I appreciate when somebody can do it well. So I've, I've just been awesome, uh, singing and worshiping and hearing all your voices again this morning. Uh, so good to, to have you back in the house, and um, so welcome here, and um, I hope that you've been enjoying this Biblical Proportions, uh, Prayers of Biblical Proportions series that we're doing. I, I, I honestly think that I'm getting the most out of, it, of everyone. Uh, it's just been so good for me, and I hope that it's been even halfway close to that for you, um, just being able to dive in and, and so on. And, and this week, we're looking at uh, Solomon's Prayer for Wisdom, and so um, it's been another one that just has hit home for me and, and learned a lot as I've been kind of working my way through it. So hopefully this morning I'll be able to give you a little bit of what I've found um, so far. And, you know, uh, I need to apologize right off the hop. Had a great day yesterday. We had a wedding uh, that we were at, second weekend in a row at a wedding. And um, that's awesome. I got home last night at a pretty good hour, but I didn't fall asleep until after one. And then, you know, head was just going and kind of just processing things. And, and then at 5.09 this morning, I kicked back into gear and uh, started going around and around again. And I've been up since then. So I'm working on about four hours sleep and I'm feeling okay, but I just keep expecting to drop off any minute. So if I fall asleep in my sermon this morning, hey, you know, just roll with me on that, okay? Some of you won't notice. You'll already be there. Okay, all right, so this morning, uh, like I said, we're going to look at Solomon's prayer for wisdom in 1 Kings chapter 3, and you'll remember that as we come to this passage of Scripture, what's happened is that Solomon is in the process of becoming king, as being inaugurated in as, as the king, and so what he does is he goes to offer sacrifices, as was sort of the custom at that time. As you became king, there were sacrifices, there were some things that you went through, and so he's been and offered these sacrifices. And in response to that, then God meets him in a dream after that's just taken place. And so we're going to pick it up right there in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 to 14. So if you have your Bibles with you, you can grab that. If not, you can follow online. Uh, or uh, on the screen or what have you, and uh, we'll go from there. But before we dive in, let's just ask God to be with us and open up our hearts and our minds this morning to what he has to tell us. Father, as we come to you this morning and as we come to this prayer of Solomon's, as he responds to you, Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear, even if we've just been singing about, uh, that you would help us today to absorb some of that wisdom for ourselves, that we would be wiser people, that we would be closer to you for having seen what you, uh, how you dealt with Solomon, how he responded to you, and how we can bring our lives in line with that as well, the tips that we can learn. 
And so to that end, would you bless this time now by your spirit? Would you speak to us? Would you work in our hearts and our lives? And we ask this in Christ's name and for his sake alone. Amen. All right, 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 to 14. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. And Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will be... So there, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Now, generally speaking, as we come to this passage and as we're reminded of Solomon's request to God, you know, we're struck by a few things right off the hop, aren't we? Like, it just sort of lands for us. Solomon's been given the keys to the candy shop, hasn't he? Like, he's, he's living the genie in a bottle dream where you can ask the genie for anything, and they're going to grant your wish. And as we see Solomon respond to God in this, and as he chooses to ask for discernment and wisdom, I think that we look at that and we're pretty impressed, right? Like, I mean, that strikes us as something noteworthy. Something, you know, that is commendable. And we look at Solomon and we think, wow, nicely done. And so, it's funny then, that as we see that, as we note it, it's funny how we so often miss our own opportunity in this. Despite seeing Solomon ask for wisdom and commending him for doing so, we miss out on our own opportunity to pursue the same thing. You know, my mouth is dry. You probably didn't know. Well, maybe you did know. As we look at this, do you ask yourself this question? Like, what would I do 
If God came to me and said, here's, here's your opportunity. What would you like me to give you? Do you ever put yourself in that point, that position, and ask yourself, what, how would I respond? Would I, would I ask for wisdom? You know, this morning, I'm, I'm bold enough to say, I don't think that we would. I'm afraid that we probably wouldn't. And I'll tell you why. It's because we don't now. We don't ask for it now. In James 1.5, God says to us, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But can I ask, when was the last time that you actually took God up on that? When was the last time that you got up or went to bed or sometime during the course of the day, you said, Lord, would you please give me wisdom? And the thing here is, is that we would meet with the same response as Solomon. And that God tells us right now, it will be given to you. So long as we ask in faith, believing. I have to read a few other verses there. But the opportunity is ours. And we're missing it, I think. I dare say. We have this opportunity as well. But we instead go to God for lesser things. We go to the candy, asking for him to bless us in different ways, other ways, material ways, what have you, so often, and we, we settle for something less. So this morning, right at the outset, as we look at this from a, just a, a 40,000 foot level, let's consider that we have the opportunity, more or less, that Solomon was given ourselves. Now this morning, you say to me, well, wait a second, Doug. This is God talking to Solomon specifically, and you're exactly right. We can't go to this prayer, and we can't appropriate everything for ourselves because this is specifically an incident between God and Solomon's themselves. So we can't just put ourselves in Solomon's position and, and understand that God's going to do everything like that for us, that he's going to grant us wealth, that he's going to give us notoriety and fame and yada, 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 on and on. But as we look at this, we can learn from it. And we can be reminded of some things that we can adopt here, that we can apply and that we can grow in ourselves today. So beyond this general perspective, though, I want to look at four things specifically this morning. Four things from Solomon's prayer, his response to God, that we can observe and that we do well then to take note of and to begin to apply in our lives this morning. Number one, I want to look at Solomon's acknowledgement of God's blessing. Solomon's acknowledgement of God's blessing. Number two, we're going to look at Solomon's humility. Number three, Solomon's perspective. And number four, then Solomon's request. So let's start then with number one, looking at Solomon's acknowledgement of God's blessing. At the very outset of, God, of Solomon's reply to God, after God comes to him and says, ask of me anything you want, then we see Solomon's response begin by acknowledging and praising God for his goodness. And in so doing, Solomon is practicing what we're told by the psalmist. 
In Psalm 100, verse 4, there the psalmist says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's when we come to God. Enter God's gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. That's something that I think that we often forget to do. In our haste, in our busyness, we don't start there. We don't come to God acknowledging who he is, recognizing what he's done in our lives, the blessings that we already enjoy. But Solomon did. He took the psalmist's advice and he applied it. What's more, Solomon then pointed to that very fact himself later as he wrote Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him or, to, or acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So this morning, as we consider Solomon's response to to God in this prayer, we're well reminded again, begin by looking at who God is, giving thanks to him for what he's done in our lives. And as we do, then it sets our perspective properly on God as we approach him in prayer, as we go to him with our requests, with our concerns, with our needs. It helps to frame us And to give us perspective. Solomon looked and he saw that God had been good. That he had blessed. He recognized God's goodness in his covenant to the people. What's more, he also recognized God's goodness to his father David. And he reflects on that this morning. We can adopt that. We can learn from it. In addition to that, beyond just that, I want to also recommend that we see here something else. It's indirect, and maybe I'm making some assumptions or what have you, but I I think it's a fair point. Somehow, Solomon was aware of God's goodness to his father David. He was picking up on that. And being a kid, I'm going to guess that maybe he was putting that together on his own. But I'm going to guess what's more than that is that maybe David was pointing him to God's goodness in his life. That as Solomon was growing up, then David was speaking into his life and saying, hey, dude, pay attention. See what God's doing. Do you see the way that he is blessing? So as we see Solomon practice that, be reminded as parents, as grandparents, to be speaking into the lives of our kids, pointing out God's goodness to them so that they will remember that as well and that that will help them set their perspective as they come to God in turn. Number two, let's look quickly at Solomon's humility. Now, we have looked at humility in prayer in a few different cases, and so we're not going to take a whole bunch of time here this morning. Considered this morning, if you will, in this category of Solomon's humility, at about this time, Solomon is around the age of 20. And I don't know about you, but it seems to me that at that stage of life, especially with the male gender, perspective, thankfulness, etc., isn't usually something that they exhibit. As I reflect back on my life, Guys, 
coming through their teenage years, aren't usually particularly modest, particularly observant, not necessarily very discerning, just doing things, shooting, running and gunning from the hip, right? So keep that, keep that in mind as we go on here. Even, even before God grants Solomon wisdom, it seems to me that maybe Solomon wasn't the dullest pencil in the box. He was doing some math. But let's see that a little bit more specifically. Look, look with me at verse 7, part A. There he says, Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Solomon comes to God recognizing that God has made him king. All right, and that's something that we generally don't tend to do as people. As we find ourselves, particularly as we're promoted into positions, as we're given something of notoriety, some sort of responsibility, you know, with a little bit of power or prestige or what have you, not often do we reflect on that and recognize God's part in it. For the most part, we look at ourselves, not Him. And we start to understand and rationalize why that has happened to us, don't we? Am I, am I the only one? We look at ourselves and we go, well, you know, that stands to reason. Because I'm pretty, pretty sharp cookie. Not only that, I'm good looking. You know, a wonderful husband. Uh, no, I better not go down there. Right? We, we start to look at ourselves. And even when, we, even when we acknowledged God in it, then we oftentimes can, can sort of translate it as, well, God is doing this in recognition then of me. Right? God's, God's done it, sure. He's made me have this position. He's given me this assignment or what have you. So he's involved, but he's done it out of recognition for who I am. That somehow I have demonstrated myself as a good person. That I'm an upstanding guy. That I'm doing my devotions. And therefore, he is recognizing that and he's rewarding me for who I am. Which is to say, that we consider ourselves as deserving. And therefore, again, that somehow we have more or less earned this. David doesn't, or Solomon doesn't go there. Solomon looks at it and just right off the hop, he goes, okay, God, you have made me king. We should have that perspective. You know, I can remember a conversation I had with somebody a few years ago now, and it was in a church context, and, and they were presenting the case, if you will, that the organization that they were working with was better off for having them involved, having them as a part of the organization. And, and conversely, they were saying that if they weren't there, the organization would be worse off. Now, it's an interesting consideration, and it's an interesting kind of a, a discussion or debate. But what I would venture to say is that it represents a really, really low-level view of God's sovereignty. 
When we get into that, those types of situations, where we get into those types of discussions where we think that somehow we're bringing something to the table that then enables God to do something and or wouldn't allow him to do if we weren't involved, I think we've adopted a very low level of God's sovereignty and I think that there's a lot of danger in that. Because the bottom line is this, that what God wants done at the end of today is going to be done at the end of today. And what he wants done to this standard is going to be done to this standard by the end of today. And he doesn't need me to accomplish it. It doesn't matter if I am there or not. That's what's going to be done because God's going to get it done because God is God. And so as we look at Solomon then, Solomon seems to be putting those pieces of the puzzle together and recognizing his place before God. So he asks him, or he admits to him that he recognizes that he is where he is because of who God is and what God has done. Now, it doesn't just stop there. Verse 7b then, Solomon continues. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties, he says. Now again, this morning as we're looking at Solomon, and we see that here he's being placed as king. He's going to be in charge of a whole nation. So clearly this morning, not many of us can relate to this on that level, right? Not many of us here this morning. There's maybe a few. Definitely my wife can relate to being in charge of a nation. She could run a nation, let me tell you. Just, just kidding. My anniversary was last week. I got like carte blanche here for another year before I have to... So, no. So, clearly Solomon's in a different place than we are. The responsibilities are, for him are far bigger than they are for us. And in that situation, he comes along and he says, man, I am, Lord, I'm just, I'm ill-equipped for this, right? I'm, I'm showing up to this gunfight with a knife. And I need your help. But it seems to me that even though you and I aren't going to be king of a nation today or tomorrow, a lot of the situations that God puts us in in our lives already are situations that we are ill-equipped for. You and I, all of us, each one of us. The places that God has put us, generally we don't show up with all of the talent and ability in our back pocket that we need for those positions. Think of it this morning. Maybe he's placed you in charge of a business. Maybe he's placed you in charge of a classroom. Maybe he's placed you in charge of managing some sort of an organization or what have you. Maybe this morning you're married. Maybe this morning you're a parent. And as I look back at my life, and I'm looking back more and more all the time. 
I recognize, I see it over and over that the spots God has led me to, I wasn't prepared for. I didn't have everything in my back pocket ready to go for that. As much as I thought I did it sometimes, as I look back on it, I went, oh, wow, dude, you were so, so cocky. So, so overconfident. And I think if we're honest, generally speaking, we can see that that's the case because generally speaking, as we're put in any of these positions, we recognize that the context of those positions quickly dwarf us. They're bigger than we are. There's factors and situations, circumstances that are far bigger than what I can control. As in a business, I can't control the whole economy. I might be able to operate this one little part of it, but I can't control the whole economy. It's beyond me. I need God's help to be able to navigate that. Some of the curveballs that are going to come because of what happens way over there that somehow ripple through and affect me right here. You know, parenting, whoa, Kedina, if I didn't recognize it when I got married, I recognized it when I was all of a sudden a parent. And even there, you go through it once and you think, okay, well, now I, got, I know the drill. I'm, I'm, I'm down with this. Like Pastor Ta used to say, man, he says, they all come out of the same den, but they're each one a different bear. And it's so true. <laughs> right? And, and man, you're sitting there, you're trying to figure out how to navigate this. As we look at Solomon this morning, Solomon right from the get-go is looking around and he's going, wait a second, I'm not up to this task. So God, I need you in on this with me. So as Solomon recognizes that God is the one that's in charge and placing him where he's at and that he doesn't bring everything, all the tools that he needs to this job, he's, he's humble, humble, he's being humble, he's exercising humility. And we, do, we need to do that as well. Not just Solomon in his situation, you and I in all of our situations as well. Number three, let's look at Solomon's perspective. Verse eight, Solomon continues, your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So as Solomon continues in verse 8, we see now he's looked at himself and his inability, but now he looks beyond himself to what? To the people around him. His perspective is now looking out at the people that God has placed him in charge over. And he recognizes a few things right off the hop. That they're a great people. That they're God's chosen people. That they're too numerous to count. And so... As he looks out again, he's recognizing his scenario. The situation, the circumstances that he finds himself in. And actually, interestingly, Hiram, the king of Tyre, gives us some insight into, I think, Solomon's perspective here a little bit. In 2 Chronicles 2, verse 11. So we, have, we drop back over to 2 Chronicles and, and look at that instead of kings. We see... Hiram speaking in, into Solomon's life on the occasion of Solomon taking over as king. And Hiram, king of Tyre, replied by letter. So this is 2 Chronicles 2.11. Hiram replies by letter to Solomon, saying this, 
Because the Lord loves his people, he has made you their king. And I think that this is the perspective that Solomon was putting together. That he was where he was, not because of him, not because of what he brought to the table, but because God loves his people. And this morning, for you and I, that gives us a good perspective as we consider where God has placed us in our lives. That we're not there for ourselves, but we're there because God loves his people. He loves people. And so where he has placed you, he has placed you there in order for you then to be there for those people that he loves. This morning, really quickly, absolutely yes, for sure, positively, no doubt, God has a plan for your life. He's taking you and he's placing you where he wants you for the job that he's given you. But his plan, we need to remember, we need to understand, his plan this morning does not end with you. God's plan goes beyond you. His plan for you goes beyond you to the people around you. And when we start to understand that, when we start to see that, now we're getting equipped to be able to fulfill his mission properly. We're starting to get the right perspective. Speaking of perspective, we're going to be talking about an eternal perspective starting in September. As we kick off the new ministry year, through the fall and and so on, there's going to be this lope in the background. It's adopting an eternal perspective. Don't miss it. Be here for that. Bring your friends, bring your family. Come on out for this. It's so so important that you and I, as, as we claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, that our perspective changes from the here and now to an eternal perspective and that that speaks into our lives and how we live them then for God. So I'm looking forward to that series. It's going to be just amazing. Already I'm starting to work on some of those messages. I'm telling you, my messages are going to be amazing. (laughs) They're going to be amazing. Yeah, well, we'll see. Jury's out on that, right? But you can come and just make your own decision, your own assessment. But I'm looking forward to it already. It's been so fun starting to look at that and just to understand it a little bit more. So this morning, as we look at Solomon in this prayer, look at his and consider his perspective. He recognizes that it isn't just about him. That God's plan doesn't stop with him. It's because of the people that God loves that he's placed Solomon where he's placed him. It's because of the people that God loves that God has placed you where he's placed you. Number four, quickly, let's look at Solomon's request. Verse nine. So give your servant a discerning heart, he replies to God, to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Solomon recognizes that he doesn't have the ability to do that. The only one that can help him do that is God. And he actually, Solomon actually expands on this whole thought in Psalm 72, a psalm that Solomon wrote, and I won't read the whole thing. I would encourage you to go home, read Psalm 72, and just see how 
Solomon just unpacks this idea that he broaches here with God quickly and how he understands it in even more detail than, than we see in this passage here in 1 Kings. But there it starts off, the psalm starts off, 72 starts off, and thou the king with your justice, O God, Solomon says, the royal son with your righteousness. May he judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. And he goes on to unpack that even more. You can see Solomon's heart. You can see what he's actually asking of God in these few quick lines here as he pours that out in Psalm 72. Solomon's priority in his request is that he be able to perform well for God. That he would be able to perform well in his service to God and in his service to the people that God loves. And that informs, that impacts his request. Not that he would just carry out the job properly, not that he would just do it satisfactorily, but that he would be able to do it well. In Solomon's request, we see that he understood that he was a representative then of God. This wasn't just for himself. It was important to him to do this well because of who had asked him to do the job. Who had commissioned him to this role that he was to play. This morning, as we look at that, as God speaking into Solomon's life, then we also need to remember and recognize that God is speaking into our lives very, very similarly. And we see that in 2 Corinthians 5, verses 18 to 20. There it says this. All this is from God. This is Paul talking. We're picking it up right in the middle. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he, was commit, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now, so Paul made the transition. Now God has commissioned to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore, Paul says, Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. This morning, in your life, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, with your family, with your friends, with your neighbors, with your loved ones, with complete strangers, who you ever, ever you come across during your day, you're an ambassador for God, given the message of reconciliation for those of us that have placed our faith in Christ, those of us that have determined to follow Jesus Christ, count ourselves as followers of Him. We've been given that mission as well. So like Solomon, you and I need to understand that as we go out into the world, regardless of what we're doing in our jobs, in our leisure, in our hobbies, whatever that is, that we are now Christ's ambassadors to the world around us. And we have to keep that in mind. That has to inform how we live, how we go about all those tasks, how we conduct ourselves this morning. 
You and I represent Christ as well. And it should be our concern. It should be a request of ours that God would help us to do that well. Now this morning, I want to just unpack this a little bit. I need to talk about this just a wee bit because we're seeing something happen in our world today that is, I think, counterproductive. Derogatory to what we're trying to do. Consider, if you will, an ambassador to a country. Let's say just whatever, Great Britain or what have you. We've been sent there as an ambassador of Canada, of the government or what have you. As we go as an ambassador, we don't go there and reflect ourselves. We go there to reflect them. Correct? Right. So as we go then... We go with their agendas, with their priorities, with their interests in mind. The one that has sent us. Today, that means that we, we need to do it well, that we have to do it properly, correctly. But today, we, we find that we're more interested in doing things authentically. That we be real in our jobs, in these ambassadorships, if you will. And that somehow, if we don't do them authentically, if we don't do them real, that then they're false. Okay? And I'll admit, right off the hop, don't have to email me, we do have to be authentic. We have to have integrity and stuff like that, in so much as we can't do things falsely. But today, we've, we've twisted this, I think, to mean that you and I can operate with all of our foibles, with all of our deficiencies, and that somehow now that makes this real and authentic. That I don't have to change, that I don't have to be different as a follower of Christ, that I can come with all of my warts and junk, and somehow that's going to make it better. And that's a load of hooey. Honestly. My grandfather would say that's plain and simple road apples. Horse manure. The fact is, is that as we are called to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, then he is calling us not to just espouse his ideas, not to just talk about them, but to live them out and be examples and models of them. Which is to say then that the junk in my life, the challenges, the problems that I've got, and so on, I have got to work to overcome. Not just wear as a badge of honor, because somehow that makes me better. The, the cause of Jesus Christ is confrontational first. It's going to be a challenge not just in its message, but also in ourselves. As we work to overcome our human nature, our fallen human nature, and become better people, more like Jesus himself. Which is to say then, like Solomon this morning, that we need to come to God and get on our knees and ask him to change us. To make us better so that we can be better reflections than better ambassadors of Him. So as we come to Solomon's prayer this morning, 
It's specifically to Solomon. But there is so much there for you and I to chew on that we can apply to our lives. And that as we do, that in that then God has the ability, the option, the opportunity then to begin to enable us and grow us and mature us and build us into his people. As we seek him out in having these characteristics in our lives as well. Let's pray. Father, this morning now, again, I pray that you would take your word and we know that by your word it, where it goes out, it does not return to you void. And so this morning I would pray that that would be the case, Lord, that we would lean in, in and of ourselves, that just as you work in our hearts by your spirit, that we would lean into you today and that we would hear from you, that we would see what you're saying to us, that by your spirit you'd know that we would know how to apply it so that we would be different. And so to that end, I pray that you would bless this time all again for Christ's sake and his sake alone. And in his name I pray, amen. All right. Again, you guys have been so good. Good news. Pastor Bruce is here for the next couple weeks. He's going to be speaking, first of all, on Nehemiah's prayer and then on the high priestly prayer, and then uh, uh, you're going to love that. That's awesome. Then we're going to have a camp wrap-up Sunday coming up in September, and then we're going to be launching into the fall. That's going to be great too. So be here next week. Have a great week till then. We'll see you soon. 